Hi everyone, how's it going? Everything is going good over here. I've actually got a lot of awesome things going on and if you haven't been catching up with me on my Facebook page, you can see it all happening there. Uh, I've been posting a lot of content recently. One of the things that I've been posting lately is inspirational movement videos with prompts and they're like 45 second videos that give you a nice little gentle reminder to move with different intentions. And so that's been really fun to record. And the second thing that I wanted to tell you is that I was part of a video interview series online last week, and my episode is actually coming out on May 1st. And I talk all about how dance therapy can help people really find their authenticity and you know, just discover the hidden parts of themselves or the parts that don't come out as much. And it's a really great interview. And you can, again, find that link on my Facebook page if you scroll down a little bit. And the last thing that I wanted to share is that this week I am putting out an amazing offer of a buy one, get one private session with me for $97 and I'm giving this to the first three people who claim it and I have two left. Someone just snagged one up today. So again, you can find that all on my Facebook page. My um, You can either search Orit Krug Dance Movement Therapist or you can type in the link facebook.com slash Orit Krug DMT and it'll all be there. Anyway, today we are hearing from Pavitra She is a transition coach, and she actually reached out to me to come onto my podcast, and I was pretty intrigued by her story about her multiple relocations and the perspective that it gave her about her mind and body connection and how now she has turned that into a career, and she inspires expat women who are unsure about their place in the world and help them navigate a new place and just feel more confident and feel more uh, a greater sense of belonging and connection. I really enjoy talking to Pavitra and I think you'll really enjoy this interview. This is Mind Your Body, a dance movement therapy perspective on the integration of our emotional, cognitive, physical, and spiritual aspects of our being into one more aware and whole existence. Um, Hi, my name is Pavitra and I am a transition mentor and I um, basically work with a mentor expat women who are kind of looking for, they're looking to define their sense of um, belonging, identity and purpose um, as they're navigating through a new landscape. That's pretty much what I do, but I focus mostly on the transitional process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What What about your story inspired you to do this? So um, my life and so, so is everyone's life. It's all about transitions, really. Um, so in particular with my life, I transitioned from India when I was 22 years by myself to live in New Zealand, a country I had never heard of before. Um, didn't even know where it was on the map, to be honest. And then found my way through losing my whole identity, what it means to belong to the land and the people and what it means to really establish true intimacy and connection with people again. And it was a magical process. It was difficult, of course, but it was a magical process. And in that, there was so much wisdom that came through it. 
and then um, as life um, has its beautiful uh, moments, it decided that I needed another challenge. And 12 years later, after living in New Zealand, I decided to move to Australia in Melbourne uh, two years ago. So I've been in, in Australia for two years now. Was that transition easier than the first one? Um, it's interesting because I'd, I thought it would be quite hard um, because I based it on the previous one, as we do. You know, we think history repeats itself, so we kind of prepare ourselves mentally, physically, emotionally for the same uh, story to repeat itself. But it didn't work out the way that I imagined it to be, but it was definitely difficult. The first year was definitely difficult. Um, possibly for two reasons. One, because I was holding on to the past wound and letting it define my current situation. And two, because I had genuinely lost my sense of belonging uh, because I'd lost my mother, who was my last surviving parent, and, and to be an orphan in this world and then to move to a country where there was nobody who knew me really shook the, what, what it means to have a foundation in this physical reality. So um, it was different, but I had all the tools that I had learned from my first move to support me through that. But of course, there were new things that came through that I had no idea uh, how to process. But it's obviously life is a process. So yeah, <laughs> I yeah. got to it. Wow, that, that's a lot that you dealt with all at once. Yeah. Yeah. What does the transition feel like for for you and Maybe you can talk about some of the patterns that come up for your clients. Like, what does it feel like in the body? How do you know it's a transition versus, let's say, a message that something is, you know, going down a really dark path? So transitions usually end up feeling like in the body, it usually feels like you're stepping out of your comfort zone. And it doesn't have to be you transitioning from one country to another. We're, every second of our lives, we're transitioning from one minute to the other. So our emotions are changing, our thoughts are changing, our feelings are changing, you know, the environment is changing. So we don't process it at such minute levels because we are aware of how subtle those changes are. But when we're making a big transition in our lives, such as, you know, losing someone we love or moving to a new country or changing jobs, or changing careers, um, it starts off with feel with this deep sense of disconnection and discomfort um, in the body because the current situation that you are in is no longer working. And the only way you're going to change or make something shift is when the current situation starts to feel uncomfortable. If it's comfortable, we really don't make any changes or shifts. Um, so life brings in situations and people and thoughts and um, various other things and sets it around you, around you to start to make you see what is not working for you anymore. And at that moment is when we tend to freak out the most. Why are things not working? And why is this person behaving the way they are? And why is this happening to me? And I think that the wisdom is behind that is actually the purity in that Life is actually nudging you and holding you to get out of that space and step into your own power, which is the next phase in your life, which we don't know of. And that's when the fear of uncertainty presents itself. So there's a layer of discomfort. There's a layer of fear, um, anxiety because of uncertain, you know, jumping into, you know, the unknown um, and and having to make difficult decisions because, when you step into the unknown, you don't know what's going to work and what what's not going to work. You don't know what you're going to get into, and and to be able to trust that deep part of yourself, um, and and then to jump into it wholeheartedly, 
is the biggest decision you can make. Um, so it, it, it requires a lot of trust and surrender. Yeah. So I think that's what I find a lot that happens in the body and the mind, um, has this magical way of creating many, many negative stories <laughs> to feed the situation that's around us. And, and we can define that in many ways. Of course, the, the, the body is, of course, needing to go into depression because it needs to revisit the past and go through old grounds in order to pick up a wisdom that is going to take you to the next phase. So there is that need for you to grieve and to, to, you know, um, mull over that situation or that period of your life. And there's also the need to be a little anxious because those nerves will serve you well for, um, when you sense danger or when you sense that there's, there's a decision that probably isn't the right thing to do. So it's, it's about sitting comfortably. And I know that's so wrong to say because it's never possible, <laughs> but it's being able to sit in it just long enough so that you can feel your way through it and then shift into getting out of that anxiety or depression or that fear so that you can, you know, you can just move into the next phase of your life. So the mind will create lots of stories, will bring up self-worth and self-esteem issues because for you to get into the next level, you need to step up in your own self-worth and your own power. Mm -hmm. So that phase can be very difficult and can throw you off guard, but that is, I call it the magical phase. The magical the phase when when yeah. you, when you've left somewhere you're comfortable with and you're going towards something yeah. somewhere else and you're yeah. going through hell and you want to get out <laughs> and you want to let and you just you just want it to end and you will do anything to make it end. Mm -hmm. um, that is pure magic because it's so uncomfortable. I mean, I'm sure you know you know exactly how it is. It's oh yeah. You just want to run away or you just want to fight it. You know that whole fight flight or freeze and, and and it makes you do things you would never imagine you could do uh oh that's i'm curious about that statement <laughs> exactly <laughs> can you share any you people that you've worked with or maybe something you experience you know sometimes you see the passion that comes out of you that you don't realize it sits within so when you put in a very difficult or comfortable situation um it stirs up a lot of energy in the body and you know, the body needs to release it and doesn't know how to release it. If you're not, if it's not through movement, it will through, it will be through speech. Uh, it will be through actions. Um, so, you know, I can't think of an example at the top of my head. Oh, just, I think the first thing I do when I know I'm going through a transition is run away from it. So I will impulsively book a ticket to, to just run away somewhere else <laughs> to a country. Um, and put myself in, in more shit because I, then I'm financially also not aware of what I've just done. Um, and then get away from it, you know, pretend like nothing's happening, come back to it because I've had that space and then start to deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm a lot more aware of the process. So I do a small weekend getaway rather than leaving the country. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, right, that running away still serves a purpose, right? You still yeah, because need... it gives me the buffer. Uh, it's a buffer for me to just just to let my body process it, even if my emotions and my mind doesn't want to look at it yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and everyone's different. So you know, some people would rather process it mentally before they start to you know feel the emotions in the body, and and others you know vice versa. So yeah, everyone's different. Yeah. Well, I also imagine it's really situational. Like there are times where you have to transition because I'm even thinking way back back when like 
humans had to migrate from one area to another because of certain natural conditions. And it's like, there's no choice but to, to transition. And that's why I think it's embedded in us evolutionarily. We're like, this is part of our lives and we can't, We, I guess we can avoid it, but it's natural and we should embrace it. But there's also transitions where it's kind of voluntary. Like, you know that you need to make a change. You don't have to, but yes. you can. And then there's also like, I can't get out of this current situation that I'm in, but I need to make it work somehow so that I can get out of this situation. Yeah. So there's... And yeah, absolutely. And, and I think... Um, where we're living in right now, um, a lot of the moves and the transitions that we're making is at a, at a level or a stage, uh, three level is what I call it, is where we're looking for something deeper within ourselves. Because for most of us, you know, our, our physical safety isn't as, you know, um, in our faces as it would be when, you know, back in, back in the day when we were cave people. Uh, financial security is also, you know, um, less important now because we know, you know, we're, we're in a better situation than we were before. So I think, um, I've noticed with people that even if you're not transitioning from one country to another, um, and you're not facing a loss of a loved one or anything, people are just naturally going through a transition in their lives because they're seeking for something deeper. A deeper sense of belonging, a deeper sense of connection, and deeper sense of identity. For me, that was triggered with moving countries. Um, but you know, I'm starting to notice a lot of people who are just in in within their comfort zone, and you can see the discomfort rising from within them, surrounded by people that they love and who love them back. But you can see, you can feel the need for deeper intimacy and connection and identity. They know exactly who they are, and yet they say. This is not me. My job doesn't define me. My friends and family don't define me. Even my skills doesn't define me. So what is my purpose? Who am I here? What am I doing? Um, and these are such powerful questions to ask. And I don't think it wasn't, it's been, it's been sitting in the back of our heads for a long time, but I can see it coming out more and, and people talking about it more and sharing about it more than before. So such a powerful time. Yeah. I think we're at liberty to make those kinds of choices. Exactly. Yeah. What's the worst that'll happen? I mean, it depends yeah. on your socioeconomical situation, but exactly. But yeah. I don't know this. It's like we're in a time where you can post pictures on Instagram and make millions of dollars. So, That's you know, it. there's there's a lot of options. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is what you're saying that is it the most helpful thing that you can do is just embrace the transition and the feelings and basically enjoy the journey. Um, yes. And I know that it's not something you want to hear. I didn't want to hear that when I was going through a transition. So at a superficial level, yes, that is what I'm saying. Uh, but at a deeper level, when you're actually going through it, you know, there are certain techniques that you can use um, when you are starting to feel that anxiety or the panic or the fear set in. And just based on my own journey, it's it's about trust. The core I think, yeah, the foundation is is trust because this is how I look at it. So we inhale and then we exhale. And between every inhale and exhale, there is a space. Mm. And we trust to transition between every inhale and exhale with complete faith, you know, it's between life and death, really. Like you inhale life, 
and there's a space, and then you exhale, and mm. it's you, you let go of everything else, which I call death, and then you inhale again, and you you know that you're inhaling and exhaling, and you're going through this whole period of transformation with every second, and we trust it. We trust. We don't think, oh, am I going to exhale? Ex- exhale after this inhale? We don't. We don't question it. We don't think it. It just happens. So at that minute level, when there's so much trust that we will continue to go on until we need to, we can expand that trust and and bring it to when we're actually going through something as big as a shift in our you know in our world in our reality. Yeah, that's a great analogy. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's why the breath is such an important tool to focus on. When um, I remember when I used to have panic attacks, you know, this was back in New Zealand, and, and people would say, just focus on your breathing. But you can't focus on your breathing when you don't even know how you're breathing to begin with. You don't even know the importance of your breath to begin with. So when you say that to someone, focus on your breath when you're going through a difficulty, it may be hard for them just because they don't, they've never connected to their breath to begin with. Right. And it's about just introducing them to what the breath is or even just getting them to notice their breathing. And it's not, it doesn't have to be in a meditative state. It doesn't have to be that they have to sit and meditate for 10 minutes for them to start connecting with their breath. It's just about bringing the awareness to I'm inhaling and there's fresh air going through my nose, there's space, and then I'm exhaling and there's warm air coming out of my nose. And it's just one second and then you go on, go off on your day, do Mm -hmm. that. And then every second, every like you could place an anchor. So, for instance, you know, you could um, every time you, this is what I do and it could help people. I light a candle every evening at home and so when I light that candle, I just think about my breathing and it's only two seconds, but that's my anchor for the day. If I've forgotten the whole day when I light a candle at night, that is my anchor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people could use little anchors every day. Um, You know, first glass of water that you drink in the morning could be your anchor. You know, when when you're in the shower, it could be anchor. So some anchor that could just say, okay, let's just see how I breathe. That's it. And then it changes your world so much more than you actually realize. And everything starts from your breath. Yeah, I love that analogy of you can trust you can trust that you're going to breathe again so much that you don't even think about it. But yeah. Same with walking, you know, you you can trust yeah. that your your next step is step. gonna <laughs> but then that there then there's that level of awareness, like when we become aware of our steps, we have control yes. over it. When we have awareness of our breath, we have control over it. And I think that's, that sounds like another layer. Like, what are the, what are the little things that I can control in a time where I feel out of control? I can't control the situation or how fast this is going or how fast the transition or all the little unknowns that come along with it. And we can come back to the body to the tiniest things to get that sense of control and certainty. Yeah. And also I've noticed with people that I work with, um, you know, one exercise is just getting them to step back into a time when they have gone through a transition and just speak about that transition and the way and the, and the benefits that they have had since, you know, since going through it and all the positive things that has happened going through that transition, because then it helps the body and the mind to, um, again, trust that, oh, I have gone through that before. And it may not be the same situation, but I got through it. And at that time, I panicked. And at that time, I didn't know what I was doing. 
I had, I was stepping into an unknown situation. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have the people that are right now in my life to support me at that time. So I can trust that there's something external of me that's also kind of working with me to get me through this. And so when people start to focus on that and you get their attention to focus on the positives and the benefits and, and the changes that the positive changes that have come through from any of their transitions and everyone no doubt has gone through something or the other and come out of it brave and strong and powerful. Um, and it's just about helping them connect to it. Yeah, I've been in a very long transition of starting a business. Yeah. And so what you said just got me thinking about even within the same transition, it's helpful to think about what was going on in the beginning of the transition, because this transition yeah. has been going on for um, almost a year. Yeah. And the beginning of it is very, it was very, very intense. And um, my tolerance level was a lot lower and I still deal with frustrations and stuckness and unknowns, of course, but it does help to think about how I got through the, even the earlier part of this long, long transition. Yeah. And I actually, I look for challenges in my life. I kind of get bored if I'm too comfortable. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's exciting, even though it can be, this is one of the hardest transitions of my life, but I know that I'm going to learn something. I know that I am learning things and I'm getting stronger and I am getting in touch with parts of myself that I was, you know, I've been uncomfortable with. And, and that, that is, that is a core, that is the beauty of transitions is you realize that actually life is not about comfort at the end of the day. Um, and, and little challenges that, challenges that are within your own comfort zone is what you're seeking. Mm. And that is what you want to keep the momentum going. And like you said, there is a part of you that's wanting to explore a little bit more about what, how much you can do, how much you can, you know, you can play with life and see how much you can achieve and how much power you have and getting in touch with that power. So it's you testing yourself to see how much further can I go. And, and that's the beauty of uh, transition. So there's so many beautiful things that come out of it. And suddenly, there is no ordinary moment. There is no ordinary time. Everything suddenly. St- and so now, because I've gone through so many transitions, I notice every transition happening just beautifully and naturally. And, you know, when the seasons change, I used to, I used to panic before because I used to think, oh, no, I don't like winter. I only like spring and summer, and I don't like the onset of autumn. And now I'm beginning to notice how my body reacts to those seasons and how um, sometimes I bring back old stories and memories of fear and worry, or I can refresh them and, and challenge myself to see how I'm going to invite the new season for the new year uh, with the new me and yeah. how it's going to empower me. Can you talk more about that? Because I also remember you saying at the beginning of our conversation uh, about bringing in past wounds. Like, what do you do to embrace the new change? And how do you leave the, you know, the past perspectives or the past feelings about it in order to bring in that, you know, the embracing of the new change? Yeah. Uh, So a past defines us to an extent and we need it because that tells us who we are and tells us a story of how far we've come. But the beauty is not to allow it to define you completely. So most transitions that we go through in life uh, will feel very similar because our body reacts in a similar way based on our um, experiences and, our, you know, and just 
just the way we are and just the way we process things. So when when the past stories start to come come up again, because you think this is repeating itself again, the history, history is repeating itself, it needs to be acknowledged. Because if you shut it down, it's saying, please acknowledge me, because actually there is some truth in what you went through before. And I want you to find it because that's going to help you with the next phase. So when this past story comes up with, and it's, it can be confronting because it can be forceful and it could be fearful and it could say, oh, no, this is what I went through last time. It was pure hell. This is happening again to me and I don't want this to happen to me. But it's just about saying, okay, you've come up. What is the wisdom in that? Just stay with it. Just sit with it. And you don't have to sit with it for long because all it wants is acknowledgement. The minute you acknowledge it and say, yeah, I see you, I see you're here and I see that you're trying to speak to me and I don't know what you're going to say, but I'm just going to sit with you and I know it's uncomfortable and I know I want to run away and I know I want to scream and I will scream, but I won't force you down. I won't shut you down. I won't suppress you. I will stay with you. Then whatever it needs to tell you comes up and nine times out of 10, it's trying to tell you to trust because it's trying to bring you back to that place where you were before and say, yes, you were here before, but see how far you've come. Mm -hmm. And so here's another situation and you're reacting the same way, but you will get through it. But because the emotions are so overwhelming, we want to suppress it. We want to shut it down and we want to just move forward. So really acknowledge the past wounds when they come up because they are part of who we are. And, and to honor them and to give them the space that they deserve is actually more empowering than shutting them down and saying, it's done and dusted, it's in my past and moving forward, which is what I find a lot of people do. And, and so the story comes back with more force the next time and the next time and, and it, you know, it keeps accumulating its momentum. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's only so much that you can fill in the bottle of earlier past yes. experiences that eventually it's going to overflow and explode. And I, you know, something you said before about um, always having little challenges and that's, you know, that's what we live for. We're not supposed to be in a rested state all the time. It's, there's a healthy way to be in the, the fight or flight response, but in a way that feels safe. It's a yes. mobilization without feeling the fear that allows us to take action, but without, you know, that, that sense of fear or panic. Yeah. And without that, you know, think of all the great things people are doing in the world. You know, they have that sense of urgency and activation, but it doesn't necessarily have to be controlled by fear. Yeah. There's a little fear there, but it's, it's a fear that drives you. Yeah. It serves its purpose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And every, and I, this is what I believe. Every emotion is there for a reason. It's, it's just to make sure that the intensity is maintained. Um, so we have a rainbow of emotions. We have a rainbow of colors and we need all of them. So we have a rainbow of emotions and we need all of them. Even if it's a joyous emotion, if you do overdo it, it doesn't feel right. So similarly with, with a negative emotion, it serves its purpose for the time being to get you through some situation or seeing the wisdom in some situation. Um, or see the power that you have and can connect to it. And then it really dissipates. It serves its purpose and then goes away. When you don't give the space for why it's presenting itself is when the small um, little roadblocks start to accumulate. 
Yeah. Um, I had a similar interview with, with Christina Devereaux on my, my second podcast episode ever. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was about the power of pausing and we talked a lot about this in the transition space. Yeah. I remember I asked her something like, um, how do you know that you're actually moving towards something and that you're not actually stuck? What's your perspective on that? My question is, what are you moving towards? What do you mean? So we are moving. So we are moving, right? Yeah. And we are moving towards something. But we think that we know what it is, but we actually don't. But we need to know what it is. So that's why we say I'm moving towards, you know, finding financial security and I'm moving towards, you know, having a family. I'm moving towards, you know, living in the new country and a holiday. We're always looking forward to something and we're moving forward to something. It may be small. We're looking forward to dinner. So we're always moving towards something. Um, but what is the ultimate thing that we're looking for? Are you asking me? Do you have the answer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, I guess it just depends on who each person is. Like, if they're feeling really stuck in their lives or if they're feeling really stuck in their careers or in a relationship. I feel stuck. I feel like... I'm not going anywhere or this is, there's no momentum. There's no movement with this situation or I feel depressed. And, um, you know, there actually is a real stuckness that comes with depression and there's no movement yeah. towards, you know, and there's no progress. Yeah. How, you know, you're, you're saying trust the transition or, or trust that oh. space, but how do they know? How, how do people know that? that they can trust. Okay, I get you. So when you're really, un when you're feeling really stuck and you want something to shift, but things are not shifting. Again, I would say go back to a situation when you have been in the same scenario before and, and nine times out of 10, you have come unstuck. Do you know the space that happens between, with the breath, the space that happens between every inhale and exhale, there is a pause and that space is so minute. We don't even focus on it, but that's the space where we're not sure if we will exhale, actually, and we, we can feel stuck, but it happens naturally. So there's a level, there's a very high level of trust in that process. Um, so I remember, you know, going through many situations where I felt stuck. I felt things not moving and I felt really uncomfortable and I have forced myself to put myself, you know, out there and make, make it work, make it happen. And when I have done it, I've actually got more resistance than when I have just fallen back into that unstuck place and just sat there. And because the unstuck place is actually helping you to process what you need to figure out so you can take that next step. And perhaps it's not the right time yet. And um, perhaps there needs to be a little bit more, you know, en energy moving and shifting around that situation. Um, and for us, Time is linear, whereas, you know, for various, for life itself, it's not linear. So it's again, understanding that, yeah, I get that my timeline means that I need to be mm -hmm. at this place in my life when I am at this age. But there are certain experiences, life experiences I need to go through because I can't compare my life experience with someone else's. So I will get there when I am ready and wholeheartedly believing it. And, and trusting it. And I know I keep saying trust. It's such a huge thing for me too, to, um, to build. And my trust is not outside of me. Um, at the moment it is, but it first came from inside of me. So when I first figured what trust means, I realized that when I can trust my heart to look after me, 
and to serve me and to give me the best that I deserve in life, then I can project that outside and trust the world and trust beyond. So um, that is one way that I look at. So when people do not trust their own hearts, it's it's about helping them bring their attention back to their heart and and showing them the strength of their heart and helping them understand their heart and how it works and who they are and then projecting that out into the world. What does that what does that look like practically? Is that if something comes up, just acknowledge it, sit with it, talk I, to it. I think yeah, yeah. But every day I think it's about you know, taking moments of, you know, writing gratitude, honoring yourself, self-care, um, doing things that you love to do. And even if it's just one thing a week to start off with or one thing a month to really like focus on what do you love doing and what is your heart craving for in terms of you and not someone else or people or things and then start doing it and start or and start writing about, you know, things that your heart craves for. It could be superficial in the beginning. It could be external in the beginning. But then you bring it back to what does your heart really want? It wants love. It wants connection. It wants beauty. It wants power. It 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 is all of that. It's not that it wants it. It wants acknowledgement is what it is. So the minute you start to acknowledge your heart to have all of that, then its strength starts to build, and it starts to resonate the power that is you and not just the heart. And then you can trust it. So when you're going through something really difficult, for instance, when you're going through a breakup, your heart breaks and then you lose trust in your heart, which means that you start to lose trusting in your judgment and your actions. And, and then you project that out into the external world and then you start losing trust in people and then you try and shut yourself off and then the story continues. So even when you're going through a heartbreak, saying, yes, my heart is broken, but it's still my heart. So maybe there are two pieces of it, but it's still strong. It's still looking after me. I'm still here. I'm still breathing. It's still beating for me. Not, none of that has changed. So I will let it give it time to heal and do what it needs to, and it will tell me what I need to do. So it's about building trust in your, in your own heart. It, it is the powerhouse of who you are. Um, it is what makes this life go around. So... Um, that's where my trust comes from. So it's not out there when I talk about trust. Awesome. I really resonated with that, what you were saying. I don't know, when you kind of stop believing in yourself, that bleeds out into other places. Yes. Maybe stop trusting other people, kind of feel more agitated or negative or envious of other people. And I mean, I'm I'm projecting like what my own situation is, but I can can see how that all layers on and how important it is to come back to your heart and yeah yeah I think it's easy to get away from yourself yeah and we need something like even when we say believe in yourself I think people look a bit lost because they don't know what what do I believe in myself give me something to give me something tangible to believe in and people know you know your body you have hands you have eyes you have organs People are looking for something tangible to believe in first before they can believe in something that's, you know, um, out there, energy. So I can start off with, you know, believe your hands. It supports you. It lets you do all these things. So 
you know, and, you know, with, with your body work as well, it's all about body, right? So it's saying, look at your feet, look at all the things that it does for you. Look at your eyes, look at the things that, you know, you can see and take in and the beauty that it, you know, symbolizes for you. So every organ that they, every part of your body that you can see is like helping people and helping yourself to connect to it and say, wow, my five fingers, if I didn't have one of these fingers, my life would be different. The way I write, the way I interact, the way I hold things will be different. Mm -hmm. So then you start to believe your fingers and you start to see them for what they are. And then you slowly, so they're all, these are all tangible things that we, we kind of see, but in a bigger realm, they're all, you know, we all know that it's all energy. So it's kind of bringing the attention to that and then slowly sinking into your heart and saying, ah, I do have a heart and it is beating because I can hear it. So now let me start learning how to trust it. Because then you have something to trust. And then when you say, I believe in myself, you say it with, with just a little bit more power, a little bit more radiance and more concrete, mm-hmm. grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks. I'm picturing um, a little movement exploration of when you were talking about, oh, look at my hands, like look how it can support me. And then just playing with that and movement and like leaning to one side and seeing that your hand holds you instead of just, you know, flopping to the floor um, <laughs> yeah. or seeing that your, you know, your feet were maybe pushing you off against a wall or, you know, not even, not even your body's there for you, but the wall is there for you. The, the floor is there for you. The, the analogy of the wall and the, and the ground, because those have really supported me in my, movement explorations, whereas um, authentic movement where I just moved intuitively, like I didn't think about it, it just happened. And the wall and the ground were always there to support me. And my hands and my body were there to interact with it and to allow that support. And so I think that's a, that would be a really interesting exploration to, to play with, you know, what are the parts of my body that are here that support me? And then, you know, somehow bring it back to the breath and yeah. the heart. Yeah. Beautiful. Cool. <laughs> Love that. Thank you. As you. I can see my head going, what do I trust in this moment where I'm struggling and I'm panicking and I'm anxious and I'm so fearful? What the hell do I trust? Give me something to hold on to. Yeah. Um, yeah. It comes so, back to the body. So, That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think it can be so hard to do that when we're running around a lot and focusing and you know the phone and social media and tv and our clients and everyone else and everything else and it's it can be really easy to forget who we Mm -hmm. are and our body parts and you know the things in our body that allow us to live like our breath and our heart beating just allowing us to to live in this yeah. Glorious life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Thank you, Pavitra. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, don't forget to check out my Facebook page, Orit Krug Dance Movement Therapist, or facebook.com slash Orit Krug DMT. And you'll find a lot of awesome stuff on my page that you can connect with for inspiration, for community, for connection. Or just, you know, look around and connect with me if you'd like. You can always send me a message. Okay, bye!